0: Welcome to The Squadron, the podcast devoted to creating and optimizing a healthy and fulfilling life for first responders all around the world. I'm your host, Garrett Aslam, a sergeant for a sheriff's department in Southern California, and this is my little project to talk to experts in a variety of fields, looking for those force multipliers that I can apply to my own life and then share with you. My goal is to make us all happier and healthier so we can pursue our challenging careers with energy, clarity, and a commitment to our oath. Our guest today is a man, a legend. In the strength training community, Mark Ripito. He was kind enough to give us an hour of his time, and Mark probably doesn't need any introduction, but I'll give him a short one anyway. Uh, if you've been doing any sort of uh, strength training, barbell training, even CrossFit for any t- sort of uh, length of time, you've probably come across Mark at least in the uh, vein of, of online videos, uh, technique, and uh, that sort of stuff in terms of the Olympic lifts um, and strength training, his books. Um, starting strength and practical programming for strength training have been used all around the world Mark has, uh, has got a long list of accolades and um, it, I, I could talk for probably 30 minutes just on that alone but uh, he comes on the show to give us a different perspective about uh, what we need to be doing with our training and Mark knows what he's talking about You know, he goes back to his, his work in the fitness industry began in uh, 1978 um, where he, and he's the owner of the Wichita Falls Athletic Club, and he's the first group certified, he was in the first group of people certified by the National Strength and Conditioning Association way back in 1985 when I was seven, and, uh, he's actually relinquished that credential since then. He's a competitive, or was a competitive powerlifter for, uh, many years, and he, of course, coaches lots of athletes, and he does his certifications and his trainings all around the country, um, mark is an opinionated guy which makes for a great interview and a great uh podcast because he shares his uh insights uh very straightforwardly uh we talk about why he thinks crossfit is fine for most people but that it's exercise and not training and how as law enforcement officers we need to be devoted to our training and some interesting concepts over um Practice and performance and training versus exercise. So he defines it in the show, so I won't belabor it here. But um, he brings up some interesting points, uh, some thoughts I hadn't considered in the past, um, and it was a really interesting conversation uh, that we got to have with Mark, um, and uh, just appreciate his time. So without further ado, I'm going to get to that uh, real quickly. Want to remind you that if you are not signed up for our mailing list. You should do that by going to thesquadroom.net and signing up there. Or from the palm of your hand, you can text the squadroom all one word, to 44222 to get signed up right there. Uh, but uh, you can do that now. You can do it after the show. I'll remind you then again. But for right now, I want to get to Mark Ripito, author of Starting Strength and Practical Programming for Strength Training, and uh, his insights into why we as cops need to train. Mark Ripito, thanks for being on the show. Sure, Garrett. Glad to be here. It's uh, a real treat to have you on. I've been following your stuff uh for quite some time, following you on YouTube. I your uh videos on how to do the basics of the, you know, the clean, the squat, the the press, the bench press, all those things. Those are things I go back to consistently uh, and constantly to reevaluate uh my own form when I don't have a trainer right in front of me. So, thank you for putting out such great content.
1: Well, we're happy to help. Um uh, the uh the materials that we uh, we generate generate with regards to technique and and execution are uh, really designed you know the the best way we can make them to to enable a person training by themselves to uh, correctly do the exercises uh however. Sometimes it's you know sometimes people just have different little problems with each one of these lifts and in that situation a coach uh, is is quite useful. Uh, coaches that know how to to coach our version of these lifts are hard to come by and our online coaching is is uh, starting strength online coaching is handy for that. But but these materials have all actually been produced with you being able to correctly do them in mind, uh, reading the book and watching the videos. So yeah. I'm glad, we're, glad we've are glad we been able to help you.
0: Absolutely. So, of course, for people who, who aren't familiar directly, or maybe they know the name, you're the author of Starting Strength and Practical Programming for Strength Training, among other books. But those are the two I kind of want to focus on today. Right. And uh, one of the first things that people will read when they read, like, Practical Programming is that you really emphasize a differentiation between exercise and training and why it's important yes. for athletes to train for the long-term goal. Can you give us a quick uh, description of why the differences as you see them and why sure. it's important to distinguish?
1: Well, let's just go ahead and, and define several terms because uh, one of the things that we have found to be very helpful is that uh, if everybody's operating under the same definitions and terms, then... Uh, it makes it easier to organize our thoughts with respect to these topics. So uh, physical activity, that's the thing you you see that the uh, the American Heart Association wants you to get some of, and the uh, federal government wants you to get some of. And physical activity means anything that doesn't involve sitting down and uh <clears throat> We've, we consider that to be a rather low threshold uh, <laughs> for uh, uh, a person's uh, uh, target goals for <laughs> right. maintaining, maintaining health and certainly not for maintaining performance. So uh, a step up from that would be uh, exercise, all right? If physical activity is walking from the parking lot into the grocery store, and then pushing the cart around and then walking with the groceries back out to the car. Then exercise would be doing that five times a day for the express purpose of getting hot, sweaty, and tired. If that sort of thing makes you hot, sweaty, and tired. (laughs) Okay. Exercise is what people do when they stop by the gym on the way home and go back to the dumbbell rack and play with the dumbbells for 15 or 20 minutes and get on the treadmill. And ride the treadmill while they watch the news on CNN, and then go back and take a shower and get in a car and go home uh, every day. That, you know, it's some physical activity. There are some calories burned. Uh, you got hot, sweaty, and tired. But what you did was for today. In other words, your mission. In, uh, in going to the gym and playing with the dumbbells and riding the treadmill was to just get hot, sweaty, and tired because that makes you feel like you have done some exercise. Mm-hmm. And the primary consideration in going to the gym under those circumstances under exercise, under an exercise paradigm, is that you got hot, hot sweaty, and tired and you did something today. You burned some calories. All right? Right. When a person grows past that and a certain percentage of everybody does where just exercising, uh, is not adequate. Then that person starts thinking in different terms. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they start thinking in terms of, well, can I make this better next week than I did this week? They start thinking in terms of, um, A goal a specific performance goal at some point in the future Mm -hmm. and when they start thinking about that then they are beginning to plan the activities that they engage in today to generate a response later in time and with that in mind, now we have established a performance curve. Where are we today? Where do we want to be in the future? And how do we tailor today's workout to make that point in the future occur? Mm-hmm. When we graduate to that type of thinking, then we're training. And, and you can easily see this in terms of uh, a marathon runner entering the boston right you send in your money now you're going well what am i going to do when i get there well i guess what i'd better start doing is planning my weekly activities to generate a better performance than i am turning in right now and so your training then becomes planned Mm -hmm. so training is planned physical activity, planned exercise, that is programmed, in other words, organized in a specific way to generate a specific physical adaptation at some point in time in the future. All right, now that, that may be the Boston Marathon, it may be a particular weightlifting meet, it might be a decathlon, it might be all kinds of different physical activities. So. Since each one of those different physical activities, a decathlon, a marathon, and a weightlifting meet being completely different types of physical performance, since each one of those events requires a completely different type of physiological adaptation in order to perform them well, okay. then our programming must reflect the differences in the adaptations that we intend to accomplish over the period of time that the training program is, uh, is enacted. All right? So if, if I've got a weightlifting meet that requires a one rep max snatch and clean a jerk, that's a different type of physical activity than 26.2 miles. Sure. And as a result of that difference in required adaptation, my programming must reflect those differences. Okay. Now, <clears throat> let's say that the performance, which would be the Boston Marathon or the weightlifting meet or the football game Saturday or the baseball game in, in two more days, the performance, let's say that this performance involves the execution of movements that depend on accuracy and precision. And you can think of lots of things that involve the use of accuracy and precision, you guys using your your service weapons mm-hmm. for example, you got to qualify with your pistol. I don't know how many rounds a month you shoot, but you know depending on the service, some guys shoot i you know there are there are elements of uh special forces that shoot five hundred rounds a week, sure there are. There are police agencies that only require that their officers shoot 50 rounds every three months, if that. <clears throat> so depending on the, the nature of the service, there are, there are differences with respect to activities that demand accuracy and precision. So when we, when we prepare for activities... That are dependent upon accuracy and precision for the performance, which is the point in the future that we're preparing for. Then we are we are doing what what we call practice. Okay. So practice is different from training because training is progressive. Right. Okay. Yeah. You, you see the point there. Sure. Training is progressive. If I come in on Monday and I put 285 on the bar and I squat it for three sets of five. Well, Friday, I'm going to come in and I'm going to put in 290 on the bar and I'm going to squat it for three sets of five. And then Monday, I'm going to put 295 on the bar and I'm going to squat it for three sets of five. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a pitcher, what do I do with my baseball? Well, a a game ball weighs 185 grams, okay? Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to get very good at throwing a 185-gram baseball at the catcher's mitt using various techniques that, that make the ball arrive at the catcher's mitt, then what must I do? I must throw 185-gram baseball at a whole lot of catcher's mitts right? a whole lot of times. In other words, I have to exactly replicate the performance circumstances if I'm going to practice for that performance. But that same pitcher also should be training his squats. They're two completely different types of activity. Mm -hmm. You understand my distinction here? Yeah, and I think it's a – you hit it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a terribly important thing to understand because modern strength and conditioning tends to conflate these two these two concepts, and they are completely different. Mm-hmm. They are completely different types of activity. You cannot make your strength and conditioning activities look like your performance and get any stronger doing it. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I think you hit analogy right there perfectly with the with talking about firearms qualification and yes shooting you know center mass five rounds on target is there's other stuff that goes into that,
1: but that's your performance right that's the performance, and that therefore must be the practice so mm-hmm. if you're going to shoot five rounds on target center mass, are you going to change up your pistol every time you do that right, yeah, of course no, not no. You're, you're going to get real familiar with your carry weapon, and that's the one you practice with. Because in the event that there needs to be a performance, we don't want a performance in a situation like that, but if it happens, then you had to have practiced for that specific performance, right? Mm-hmm. Now, everybody, everybody intuitively understands this. You can't practice with an 1873 Colt 45 revolver right and have that practice count for the performance with your glock 22 right it 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 does not carry over because it's not specific to the performance by the same token that cop ought to be training for strength sure. which is a completely different kind of a deal mm-hmm A completely different kind of a deal. That involves him adding five pounds to his squat a couple of times a week. There are two different types of activity. But if we we try to make our squats look like some hybrid between squatting and shooting our Colt 1873, (laughs) (laughs) then what we get is a bastardization of both activities. We don't get very strong. And we don't get very good with the weapon Mm -hmm. because we have conflated the two concepts, training and practice, and they are separate. So
0: um, let me ask you this, and if I'm sorry, if I'm interrupting, Um, you know, we look at ourselves or we encourage ourselves on this show and, and then around the world, just that the idea that we are tactical athletes. I don't know if you're familiar with that term at all.
1: Oh, I'm quite familiar. Okay,
0: so obviously the, for, if anyone's listening for the first time and they're not familiar with that, the, the general idea is that we need to be, treat ourselves as professional athletes uh, in a tactical environment. We need to do all the things to make ourselves ready for that, that
1: potentially large-scale big event. Exactly. and The, the, the big performance right. that you have no idea when is going to occur and that... Nonetheless you must be prepared for when it does occur if and when it does occur now in your situation the the distinction between training and practice could not be more obvious okay mm-hmm. you have to, you have certain things that will happen during the big event right you're going to have to shoot you're going to have to communicate you're going to have to think you're going to have to move In specific ways, depending on the nature of the event, when and if it occurs, you have to prepare as best you can for all possible contingencies that may occur during that event. What's the best way to do it? Well, on the practice side, it seems rather obvious that we need to shoot a lot of rounds downrange with all of the weapons that we will be called upon to use. We need to be familiar with all of the tools that we will going that we are going to be required to operate under those circumstances. Right? Mm-hmm. We need to be practicing the use of the tools and the use of the weapons technology under various conditions that might occur during the event, night, daytime, rain, fog, poor visibility, dust, wind, that sort of thing. Sure. All of the conditions that might possibly occur, we need to have practiced with those tools and those weapons so that we're familiar with how they're going to behave and we have some experience handling them under those specific conditions. All right, and I think this is well understood, and I think everybody has this under control. Mm -hmm. All right, and I'm not going to sit here and lecture anybody about how to practice for this kind of a deal because that's not my that's not my bailiwick my bailiwick is the other part the physical preparation that makes the performance more efficient the physical preparation that actually makes the practice more perf- more efficient and makes you able to better demonstrate your proficiency under these circumstances and that physical capacity is never running 10 miles it's never running five miles this is not world war one we have mechanical transportation now we don't have to do three-mile foot chases that happens in james bond movies right it does not happen in your job and it doesn't really ever happen in anybody else's job that's what police cars are for that's what fire trucks are for okay mm-hmm. what happens in the real world happens within a short radius away from the transport device that got us where we're going all right we don't need endurance adaptations to accomplish this and i'm going to i'm going to going to uh, place a uh, A caveat on, let's revisit that concept here in a minute. What we run into in the field is situations that are dependent on our ability to produce force against an external resistance. In other words, we run into strength-limiting situations where your ability to be strong is the bottleneck. The limiting factor is your ability to be be strong, not your ability to run five miles or three miles or one mile. It's your ability to push on something, pull on something, mash on something, lift something, do it explosively and well. And that is a strength adaptation. All right, now I've, I've had lots and lots and lots of discussions over the past 10 years With lots of people that have been in combat situations. Now, let me preface my remarks here by saying I've never been in combat. I was not in the military. I've been in strength and conditioning for 40 years. And I've dealt with lots and lots of people whose profession is police work, military, and fire. And every one of these people report to me the same thing. They tell me that when things get weird, strong is the most important adaptation they had. And if that if they weren't strong enough, that's the one they wish they had more than any of the other things that they could possibly do to prepare for that performance. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is it's it's terribly critical that you understand why I am saying that strength training is far more important than the running that most agencies and most military organizations rely upon as their training paradigm. I think it's completely – it is an inaccurate interpretation of what actually happens in the field, and it's an inaccurate interpretation of what best would adapt a person for that role. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, since you mentioned the stress recovery adaptation model, uh, earlier in the introduction, let's, let's talk about that for just a second, please. All right. And when, when the body is, uh, not being stressed, in other words, when it is in a state called homeostasis, all right, it is adapted to its environment. All right. Now that, That in that that definition applies to you at work when nothing weird is going on. It applies to a fish in a lake when the temperature is constant. It applies to any organism in an environment that is not changing. Okay? Okay. Let's say the temperature of the lake for some reason goes up two degrees. Uh, A two-degree change in temperature is not going to kill the fish, right? Mm -hmm. Because a two-degree change in temperature is something that the fish can easily adapt to. Because two-degree changes in lake temperature happen all the time, don't they? Sure. Okay, they happen seasonally. You know, the fish can find a, a place in the water column that's within a couple of degrees of the same temperature he's been living in all year. So that's how the fish adapts. He goes down where it's not a big stress on him. But let's say that there's a volcano in the area and the lake temperature rises 30 degrees. If the fish cannot adapt, then the fish dies. If the fish can't adapt, then he gets better at dealing with the changing environment. Okay? Sure. If, and this is a feature of all biological systems plants and animals. They have the ability to adapt to stress. Stress is the thing that produces the change in the environment. Recovery is the process by which the organism changes itself in the face of that stress. And adaptation is the, is the new homeostasis that the organism finds itself in after the recovery from the stress. All right. Now this is just the biology. Sure. And this is this is uh, this was first observed in 1936 by Hans Selye in a paper in the journal Nature. All we are doing with our program is making uh, an observation that since this is the process that governs biological systems we're going to take advantage of it and we're going to control it precisely and that's what programming is. We are going to apply a stress that's a little bit more than the level of adaptation currently enjoyed by the organism. And we know that since we're alive we will adapt to that stress if it is not too big, right, right? Mm-hmm. if it's not too great a stress, if it's too great a stress, it kills us. If it's not any stress at all, it doesn't make anything change. So we're going to take advantage of that process that always is in operation, and we're going to design a program to cause a certain type of adaptation to take place. Now, if you're going to run the Boston, that adaptation that adaptation is completely different than if you are going to do a snatch, clean a jerk meet with six total attempts at the heaviest weights you can manage. Two completely different types of adaptation. Therefore, two completely different types of training stress must be applied to obtain this range of adaptations. Mm-hmm. These two diametrically opposed to get into the biology, sets of adaptations. All right. Now, what your your people will tell me in the face of this argument is that y- you don't really know what the nature of the performance, quote, unquote, at any given time that you guys are going to be required to perform is. So right. you've got to be ready for anything.
0: <clears throat> yeah, Ready for anything at any time, right? Ready for anything
1: <laughs> at any time. And you know what? That's really not true, is it? Well, let's that's think the about this for a minute. That's really not true. At no point in your performance are you going to have to run 25.2 miles. And at no point in your performance are you going to have to do a max clean and jerk. Right. Okay. We we do know what your daily duties encompass. And we do know that you may have to run a little ways. You may have to wrestle with an opponent. You may have to drag a heavy fire hose. You'll have to shoot center mass for five rounds, maybe more than five rounds. But we know it's going to involve shooting. We know it's going to involve your service weapon. We know it's going to involve a fire hose. We know it's going to involve a flight of stairs, maybe three or four flights of stairs. But it's not going to involve 25.2 miles, and it's not going to involve a snatch and a cleaning jerk for max weight, we kind of really do kind of know what the range of, of performance parameters that we will face, in fact, entails, don't we? Sure, that's a very, so, I that's mean, very we, good we can, we can We can get prepared for a certain number of things and be adequately prepared for anything. And what I'm telling you is that properly designed strength training is the thing that most generally prepares your body for anything you will encounter in the field. It will prepare you to push on doors and pick people up and put them in the ambulance and drag the fire hose up the stairs and control your weapon under imbalanced circumstances when you're tired and maybe bleeding. It will enable you to... to Handle whatever type of of uh, of performance obstacle you encounter in the field better than running, better than doing circuits on Nautilus equipment does. Uh-huh. Properly designed strength training is the most general thing that you can do to prepare for the eventualities that you will occur that occur in the field that you know will occur in the field. Now, general is very important, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Because you have to understand that training is the general physical preparation. Practice is
0: what—that's
1: like, uh, well, the specific, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you get specific with the with the tools you know you're going to be equipped with. Mm-hmm. That you make sure you're equipped with, mm-hmm. and you train not for running but for strength, because strength prepares you to exert force. And here's the other thing that, that is so often misconstrued about this. You know what strength training also prepares you to do? Run. It also prepares you to run. Do you know a a, a 30-year-old man that can squat 405 that can't run two miles? Yeah, fair point. Well, there aren't any. There aren't <laughs> any, and and this is nonsense. It is nonsense to think that, that a four oh five squat is such a specialized performance event that it restricts a person's ability to run. That's absolute. <laughs> I... <laughs> Those of us that have squatted four oh five for three sets of ten mm-hmm. and then gone for a five mile run that same afternoon, yeah, like lots of us have done, no, that's 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 not just wrong. It's it's dishonest. Well, that answers a question I was going to bring
0: up, because I can't imagine you wouldn't think endurance or cardiovascular endurance, I mean, specifically, would be, would not be an issue for us. No,
1: it is an issue. But what I'm saying is, right. is that strength it, training prepares it you comes for with it, it. So, Running gets you ready to run. Uh-huh, right. But it doesn't make you strong. Certainly not. Strength training makes you strong, and it enables you to run. So this is not terribly complicated, is it?
0: So let me ask you this way. Maybe I can frame it so people understand it, or make sure I understand it differently too. So, say it's a it's a physical confrontation, not a gunfight, but a, but a physical fight. You know, we're wrestling with someone on the ground. So much more
1: commonly occurs,
0: right? Much more commonly. So gunfight, right? And in fact, this happened with a partner of mine just last week, who was in a fight for his life, and it was never about the gun. But the training is the strength that you work on to give you the capacity to engage in that fight. That's but the great. practice would be for example, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something of that. Go. Is that correct,
1: that, that analogy? That's absolutely the case. You practice the techniques that you're going to use while you're rolling around on the floor with the bad guy. And you better be better at him than he is. Mm-hmm. But if you're not better at him than he is, let's say he's a 145-pound BJJ guy who's uh, got all freaked out on meth and you've got to try to arrest him. Wouldn't it be better if you were 225 and could squat 405? Sure. Maybe in a situation like that, you wouldn't have to be as good as him. Mm -hmm. If you're stronger, you just squeeze him real hard, (laughs) and he quit. (laughs) Right, right. Right? Right? So uh, this is, you know, I I understand people uh, defending their turf here, but I I really don't understand the opposition uh, to – replacing the current uh, training paradigm in both uh, basic training and in